When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to New York. This is the Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, hockey podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano. All right, Devils fans, we have an incredibly special guest joining us on this edition of the Devil State of Mind podcast. Folks, if you're a sports fan, particularly on social media and, and YouTube in particular, you've probably heard of this man before. He is, uh, I guess you would say, the master shit poster, as a lot of people like to call him. Uh, he has a great personality. He does a lot of really great videos that uh, really point out the problems with a lot of these organizations. And the Devils were uh, could not avoid that, as uh, he did a nice video about a year or two ago with the Devils, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it is with great pleasure to welcome on the man, the myth, the tree, urinating tree. Tree, welcome to the Devil's State of Mind podcast. First and foremost, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right, man. It's actually nice and chilly outside today, so I'm not sweating like crazy. So it's all good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, the temperature's starting to drop a little bit more, you know, up mm-hmm. here in Jersey. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously... Yeah. Hockey season's right around the corner. Training camp mm-hmm. started just yesterday. Uh, yeah. And considering the fact that both, uh, well, basically, since, you know, also being a New York Giants fan, considering the fact that we're off to another really <laughs> depressing start, I really can't wait for hockey season to get underway yeah. so I can just stop watching that because uh, I think I'm already done. I think I'm already <laughs> done with Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones. I mean, I've been done with Daniel Jones since we drafted him. But, you know, that's besides the point. Um but yeah, we're really excited to have you on, man. Uh, th- this is absolutely phenomenal. So my first question to you, because I think a lot of people would like to know, you started your YouTube channel about four years ago. And I think the first video sports related that you did was talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I mean, for the most part, it's pretty much stayed true these past four years. But talk to me really about how you got started with doing these videos and what gave you the motivation, the idea to do these videos, crapping on teams, calling them low cows, whatever, whatever words you like to use. Talk to me a little bit about that. 
Well, actually, the uh, the first football vid I did wasn't actually on Jacksonville. That was the second one. Mm. First one was actually the Cleveland Browns. That's fair. So they were at that point where they were at, like, I think 0-11, 0-10. Right. They had just hit their bye week, and they were on the road to 0-16, which didn't happen because uh, – thank, thank you very much, Chargers, but it <laughs> happened the year after. So that was my first vid there. But the Jackson, I thought that was going to be a one-off. So what actually happened was that Jacksonville had just bottomed out by that point. Um, Gus Bradley had been fired. Uh, Like, Blake Bortles looked awful. Like, there was nothing really of note going on. They had been perpetually rebuilding, and it's just like they felt like they were nothing. And I'm just sitting there like – this seems terrible. And then I'm just sitting there like, why don't I just do a video about it? And then I did like a random three minute ramble, which yep. uh, became Jacksonville. And then I realized, Hey, I like this. And then I just kept going with it. My first real, like notice that there may be something here. was actually uh, about a month later when I did mm-hmm. haters guide, but that was more of an mm. experiment. It was more like, okay, like I'll just do something quick. Maybe. Yeah. Like it, it, I'll probably get like 500 views on it. And then I remember just like one day, just, I think I had about 550 subs at the time. I jumped mm-hmm. by a hundred. I'm like, wait, what? How did I <laughs> jump a hundred in a night? And I'm just like, how? And then it's just the like, mm. yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, I'm losing my damn mind now. <laughs> and then it just it kept growing from there. So now I Life guess works kinda, in strange ways. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It, it's crazy just how, like, with social media and everything, just how quickly somebody can, you know, really gain a whole lot of attention just like that. It's really mm-hmm. phenomenal. And you've done a really fantastic job with the channel and the way that it's grown over time. It's just, it's absolutely tremendous. The The first video that I ever watched of you, uh, a friend of mine sent it to me, and it was about the Brooklyn Nets, you know, being a Brooklyn Nets oh. fan myself. And I was like, Oh, this is great. And then watching it, it was like, yeah, this is pretty much exactly where we are. And obviously that was before the the time that we have now with everybody that we have. But obviously that was a very dark point. And I tell people all the time when they complain about the Nets being where they are right now, I say, go back and watch this video and you tell me if Nets fans deserve this at this point. But it's it's kind of uh, ever since then, I I, I routinely watch your videos. Um, you know, they're, they're just absolutely Tremendous. My next question to you, Tree, is this. When you look at the progression and you look at all of the videos that you've done, is there one or a couple of videos that stand out to you that you're most proud of or the ones that you really enjoyed making the most? Talk to us a little bit about that. Ooh, I would say the ones that usually I find enjoyable are either the ones that tell a story or ones that, you know, you spend a lot of time like digging Sorry, my I had a little bit of commercial. It just popped in. <laughs> it's all good. It's Sorry all good. about that. Sorry about that. You're good. You're good. Oh, so <laughs> I, what I was saying is like the legacies of failure take a long time to make. Like mm. the Maple Leafs vid I did, I have no idea how many hours I put into that vid. It just took, that was I mean, that was, that was, well, uh, I, I took, I think it was planned for a couple of years. That was on the bucket list. And then yeah. you just have to wait for the right time for it to happen. But that one was probably the one I was probably the most proud of making mm-hmm. just because of how much time it took to build that thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was, I, that was like, one those of my favorite are the ones, ones I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of my favorite ones. The way that you 
you know, you didn't just spend, you know, fifth, like you usually do 10, 15 minutes on this video. You spent nearly an hour of documenting from the last time they won a Stanley Cup to basically now just constantly, you know, critiquing them. And, and I thought it was great um, when you made a video right after the Maple Leafs got knocked out in the first round against Montreal this past year, that instead of doing one of those where you kind of just laugh at them or you make fun of them, you sounded more like an actual like Maple Leafs fan being pissed right. off about the fact that they once again did not get past the first round, blew this three games to one lead to Montreal. It oh, was no. really good. Like I was deliberately, I mean, I was angry about it. I wasn't right. faking it because I'm like, how, how did you blow that? Yeah. You had a three to one series lead. You would pretty much a straight shot to the cup. I was already expecting them to win the cup because usually <laughs> when I make those sort of bids, they usually end up winning right. it right. about a year or two later. Cause I'm yep. like, what the <laughs> I can't win. So you know? the fact that they did not, they amplified it. Yeah. I'm just sitting there like, really? Yeah. Really? Now it's, I have to sit through another year of Mark Bergevin. So uh, we, we, we can't get enough of Mark Bergevin. And then you look at what he did this off season and he's just, he he's, oh. I, I got to give him credit for letting cocky Cotney Cammy cut Niemi. I continue to screw up his name. Kotki Niemi um, go to Carolina and obviously getting Christian Dvorak. I think, I honestly think that was all part of his plan. I think he did that on purpose. I think he knew long-term that uh, he was going to make a move like that. Well, my belief is this for right now, would you accept the trade of a first and a third round pick unprotected for Jesperi Kokaniemi? And right now I'd say yes, yeah, especially I, if it's unprotected. So I know we all know why Carolina did that. It's retaliation for signing or trying to tender Sebastian Ajo. Right. And Kokaniemi, like he was a key piece of that playoff run. It was him mm -hmm. and Cole Caulfield. I think those were the two that really, Correct. once they got in the lineup, they really escalated in terms of their performance. I don't think they get past Toronto if both mm -hmm. of them are still scratched. The um, And that's the sort of like retaliation that you get. And then you have to pay a shitload to get Christian Dvorak. I mean, I think it was a first and a conditional second or just a second, but I'm not uh, sure. It was a second. Just a it second, a not second. a conditional. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, so like they did get, pay a lot. You don't lot. get conditionals, I think, until it's like, you have to, it has to be like more of a high quality player. Like if it was Patrick Lining, I think it would be more conditional, but mm -hmm. because of, you know, Kakinami and where he is in his career and everything, I think that's why it was legitimately just a second round pick. I know. Um, I think like it's either like the um, earliest of the Carolina or the Montreal picks. Yeah. So like if one of them bottoms out, Arizona is getting themselves a nice draft pick. Yes, they are. And, and I think 2022 apparently is supposed to be a deep draft or a better draft. It's supposed to be a better draft, just as I've talked about before in the podcast, that everybody gets to actually scout these players. They're playing, mm -hmm. you know, junior hockey. It'll be a more legit draft. And I think that's the kind of thing. But going back to, you know, the Maple Leafs video. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's one of the most impressive ones because, yes, you, you do what you normally do. You shit on the franchise. You point out things that are wrong. But it was so detailed. I mean, there were things in there that were I didn't even know about, like, you know, just the the, the crazy owner that the Maple Leafs mm -hmm. had and all of the shit that he did in his tenure, not oh, just yeah. with them, not just Maple Leafs, but also with the Hamilton Tiger Cats as well, another franchise that he owned. Mm -hmm. I mean, Harold Ballard was just a 
to put it bluntly, a very insane human being. He was. Like, <laughs> if you look at it for the first time, was, you don't you think he was His real. whole thing was intriguing as well. You said that in the video exactly. that you were really intrigued by it. That was the main reason why I wanted to do that was because mm. of the Ballard era, because mm -hmm. it's insane. Like right. you couldn't get away with half the shit he did. No. And some of the comments he says, it's like, <laughs> mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it was nuts. I mean, there were, you know, he fired the guy who pushed his wheelchair around. Yep. He um, did. He fired this... like he brought, I think he did the guy who cleaned his yacht as like a head trainer. Yeah. I know he, um, he, it, like to piss off like Daryl Sittler, he traded his best friends to the worst franchise in right. at the time traded, in the Colorado Rockies. Right, who, right. Who ironically and then he the eventually Devils. breaks Sittler and then trades him for nothing. Right, strip him of the captain's the guy from the captaincy yeah. for being late to practice. He overslept. Yeah, yeah. I, my, it's my favorite stories. part of that video was when um when they when the maple leafs traded and acquired matt sundin you know from from quebec and you were like uh, who the uh, fuck is matt sundin like that was that, that made me laugh so hard man. that was actually the uh, response in toronto at the time like they were right. absolutely outraged that they traded wendell clark well yeah i mean he was the at that time he was the toronto maple leafs i mean he was yes. that he was their guy and it's like who the hell is matt sundin where did he come like what's so special about him and he turned out to be a and he turned out to be the himself. best player of that generation for the right Leafs, and yeah. then and it was just but yeah that video like many others was so good to me that's one of the most impressive ones because of how long it was how articulate it was how detailed it was it was it was absolutely tremendous now my next question to you tree is this i mentioned this in the intro that Back in 2019, I think it was like the first two, I think it was like two months into the season or something like that. You did a video on the Devils, which yes. I kind of figured at some point it was going to happen, particularly in that season with we yeah, blow. They bottomed up. out. Yeah, they, they completely bottomed out. And it didn't even, they didn't wait till the, 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 the midway point of the season. They waited till the first game of the year up for nothing oh, against yeah. Winnipeg, blow Amen. that and lose in a shootout. And then I think they lost to Florida the same way the next game, if I remember. Correctly. And they ended up losing to Buffalo um, later on, like a week or two later, like six, nothing or six to one. And it was just at that point, it was like, that was the lowest that anybody could be. And, they, and obviously they fired John Hines. Thank God. They, you know, they eventually fired Ray Shiro. I mean, they, they blew it up. I mean, they absolutely blew it up. And yep. I think you were on point with everything that you said about it. And, um, my question to you, Tree, is this. When you look at that, when you look at the Devils and you look at them at that time, what made you, other than the obvious things, what made you want to do it? Were you getting recommendations or was it just something, you know, being a Penguins fan watching from afar saying, God, I got to make this video? It was a little bit of that. It was also like... I have that connection with Ray Shiro too. He used to be the Penguins right. GM. And right. when you see a lot of what he did, he made a good deal of the same mistakes that he did make in Pittsburgh mm. in a way. Like he'd make this, these amazing trades and then he'd make these ones that are like, what? <laughs> it's true. Well, it's true. I, and the thing too with New Jersey, it's like the, it, when you have to rebuild a rebuild, it's yeah. not a good sign. So yeah. they've had to gut it down, strip it again. And now they're, trying to rebuild again and hopefully right. it'll work out this time for you guys i mean i i really like Mackenzie blackwood i thought he was hung out to dry that year because it, that defense was terrible i do Thank remember you. going to like a devil's game and 
just being amazed at all the odd man rushes and breakaways they yes. given up. I'm just like, yes. how do you win like this? Our defense is putrid. It's, That's it's, your, it's our defense is putrid. Yeah, well, when you're starting uh, Matt Tennyson, Connor <laughs> Carrick, and a couple yes. other guys, like your best defensive defenseman's Andy Green, yeah, uh, it's not good. No, and I know you were you, – one of the things that I loved – um, from that video was when you were describing PK Subban. And I think it was yeah. very obvious. I think Subban being in New Jersey has proven exactly the type of defenseman that he is. He is, as you put it, a defenseman that cannot defend. He does not play defense. No. He's an offensive guy through and through. If he could change positions, he would become a forward because He's that's a power play specialist. He, that's who he is. Right. Exactly. And even it's driven me nuts watching him, you know, set up to take a slap shot and then he doesn't do it. It's like, I don't understand why he just is so hesitant with it. And I said in my last episode, talking about P.K. Subban, the good news about him now is that this is the last year of that $9 million albatross yep. of a contract. And number two, he's literally going to be on the bottom third pairing. He's not even going to be top four, considering yeah. the acquisitions that we made and everything like that. Mm -hmm. He might actually be half decent in this third pairing you know, role, maybe second power play unit type of thing and i i think that that's just this is the best position he's been in since he got here yep and worst comes to worst you can always trade him at the deadline in case you're not competing because he's just going to be a rental at that point right exactly and, and retention I, you could probably get like a mid-round pick or something for him worst right. case scenario and i've said it before that if you look at the acquisitions that we made this year and we still have about 14 million dollars in cap space Subban's contract comes off the books. We have 20 plus million dollars next mm -hmm. year with everything that we did and everything that we have. We still have 20 plus million dollars to make another move or two if we need to. So, again, that whole video was you just nailed it on the head. Like you nailed it on the head that we were just in a crappy position. The only thing that and, I, and again, you probably did your research. The only thing that I, I wish you would have done is crapped on the ownership because we have not been satisfied with Joshua Harris and David Blitzer up to this point. And obviously 76ers fans can relate yeah, to that. Yeah, they can agree with that. Because <laughs> it's the same thing. They say the same mm -hmm. things. They say, we want Josh Harris fired. And say, well, we're in the same boat as you. We don't like this. So, um, you know, this past offseason kind of was like taking it back. And granted, Josh Harris no longer really is involved. It's more David Blitzer now because Harris, I think, stepped down or something like that. It was something where he's no longer really fully involved in day-to-day -day operations, which is, which is kind of a good thing. But I want to, I want to shift to basically, I want to shift to this. I want to talk about the devils in greater detail with you, because obviously you're a really, really well-known hockey guy. You're not just obviously with football and other sports, you're very well-known in hockey. And I know you're super passionate about it with the way that you, you know, talk about everything. Um, a couple of questions and actually, before I get to the Devils, I want to bring up something that you talked about earlier this morning. Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel failed his physical, as expected, and he was stripped of his captaincy. How much longer does this mess keep, do you think, is going to keep going? And where do you see it ending, basically? Like, what is the end result of everything that we've gone through this whole summer? Well, at this point, the reason why Buffalo doesn't want to trade Jack Eichel is because they want to get premium value for him and they're not going to get it right now. He's at the lowest level he's at because 
You don't know if he's going to play. You don't know if he's going to be healthy. Yep. He's coming off a year where he was ended by injury. Mm-hmm. And Buffalo has had huge PR issues. So trading <sighs> the so-called future of the franchise after you drafted the future of the franchise means you tanked in 2015 for absolutely <laughs> no reason. And that's why they're doing it. And it's a very ass backwards way of doing it. Yeah. As you've seen the Sabres do over the past, like over the entire Pagula era. Yeah. But at the same time, when a player wants a surgery and the Buffalo saying, no, you should get this surgery, even though you don't know if it's actually going to work either of them. Right. I think it's more Buffalo trying to flex and Eichel's trying to flex when you have those two sort of headstrong mentalities clash at each other. This is what you're going to get. And then you, you you're supposed to be shocked that Jack Eichel like failed the physical because you know, he's actually fucked up. Oh my God. (laughs) How, how are you shocked? How do we not? I mean, and then you strip him of the captaincy, which I mean, okay, maybe Jack Eichel's not a captain, but at this rate, you don't know if he's going to play. You don't know if he's going to be a hundred percent if he does. And at this rate with this contract, you're going to be getting a like a return if you're lucky yeah. rivaling Ryan O'Reilly's. And, then and not- it's, it's, this isn't going to end pretty. No. For Buffalo. No. It's not. No. So brace yourself. No. It's uh, you're probably going to ruin Shane Wright. That's all I'm going to say. No, I agree with that. And I think that people, some people say, don't worry about Owen Power choosing not to come to Buffalo. I said, no, I think you should worry. I think you honestly should, because Mm. he could have easily decided to come back. And I understand that Michigan is stacked this year with the additions of obviously, you know, you know, now devil's prospect Luke Hughes and, you know, the majority of the guys coming back, but still it's, you're, you're worried about him being in the position that everybody else has been in where it's like, uh, does he really want to be in Buffalo? Does he not? I mean, it's, it's crazy how this organization has continued to be allowed to run this way. And I don't understand other than obviously it's got to be the Pagulas. I mean, there's no other way we can say it. It's just, it's crazy. And now we're hearing that the Pagulas might move the Buffalo bills. Well, what are they going to do with the Sabres if they ended up doing that? Like what, like what the hell is going to happen here with the Buffalo bills? They're trying to posture for a new stadium and that's the threat. But unfortunately, as we've learned in the past, the NFL doesn't really give a shit about nope. like mentalities and sentimentalities. Nope. They've done it with the Browns before they did it with the chargers. They did it with the St. Louis Rams, even though the Rams were pretty much sandbagged and that yep. lawsuit, if you were paying attention, a lot of it's going to come out to the light again and it's going to mm-hmm. make that look ugly. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty standard operating procedure in North American sports. They don't want to, they want the government to have like a 50, 50 share at minimum. <laughs> so that's, or they can like strong arm them because Buffalo is in a good situation. The bills are in a good situation. Right. And they want like, Hey, I want a brand new stadium or else I'm moving to Austin or San Antonio right. or wherever. Because they know the NFL is going to make more money, and that's why yeah. they're going to approve on that. They, yeah. they don't care about Bill's Mafia. They, I mean, with the Sabres, too, like, I mean, you can move them right now. Like, they'll probably move them. If Pagula gets an offer for to move to, let's say, Hartford or Quebec yeah. City or Kansas City, he'll move in a heartbeat. Yeah, Pagula, the only reason why he's there is because, like, I think he's, like, 
had business in the area. Mm -hmm. Like most of the time, I think he's actually from central PA. Like he's more a Penn state guy. Right. That's why he's a, he's developed their hockey programs. Cause like mm -hmm. he's out of like major grants in that regard. Yep. But, yeah. but um, I know like with the Sabres, um, you're not going to get any public support for a new arena if you like want it no. because that ain't happening. No, no, you're absolutely no, not with this shit. No, no, of course not. I mean, you just look at it. I mean, it's 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 been awful. I mean, it's been absolutely awful the way that they've run things. At one point, they mm -hmm. had like one or no scouts whatsoever. It's just like this isn't even how, like this. Is, this isn't even how you run a regular business, let alone a professional no. sports franchise. So, I mean. At this point, I'm just kind of tired of the Jack Eichel talk from the standpoint of like, let's just move on from it. I've already said to a lot of my devils, you know, my devils people that look, expect Jack Eichel to be a ranger at some point. Like just expect it <laughs> to happen. Let's move on. It's got to be like one of the rangers. Vegas is going to somehow pull a deal out of its ass and get away with the salary cap being nothing, which you pointed out in your free agency video a couple a couple of weeks ago that, yeah, the salary cap means absolutely nothing considering no. what has happened this off season. Cause we've talked about the fact that as, as speaking from a devil's perspective, we could take advantage of so many teams right now because a lot mm -hmm. of these teams are screwed. No cap. Nope. Apparently not. Apparently, you know, Tampa Bay can just do whatever the hell they want because why not? Granted they've lost some people like Blake Coleman and got and Yanni Gord, but still the core of that team is still there. So, I mean, it's, they also have a strong minor league system too. The thing with Tampa fun. Bay is they were able to do that because Brent Seabrook's contract is now considered an asset because you don't actually have to pay him. It's right. insured and it's stashed on LTIR. So it doesn't actually count against the cap. Right. So I can see the NHL and like, players and that sort of like really going on about that in the next mm -hmm. cba and changing yep. that up because i think a lot of people are really bitching now because of the whole 18 million over the cap <laughs> tampa bay did nothing wrong they operated under the guidelines of the nhl cba right and as long as like they weren't paying bonuses under the table they're absolutely fine That's true. at least my book yeah, it's it's a really weird situation with it because I remember like my first reaction to Tampa was like everybody's like they're 18 million dollars over the cap and they're playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs, blah, blah, blah. But once I realized that they were just following status quo and they were basically going under the rules that were given to them, it's like, well, then more of it's the NHL and NHLPA's problem mm -hmm. than it really is Tampa. It's just, yes. hey, we're just we're just taking advantage of the system that has been put in place here. And that's mm -hmm. what it is. And look, that's no knock on Tampa. I think Tampa would have won the cup regardless of whether or not Kucherov was playing because the team itself was that good. But obviously mm -hmm. having Kucherov being out basically the whole year until the playoffs doesn't really hurt. So, I mean, that's something to keep in mind. But my next question to you, Tree, is this. I want to talk about it because I haven't talked about it a whole lot, but I feel like it should be mentioned. Um, the Evander Kane situation now has taken a new uh, turn. Uh, forget oh, about boy. betting. Oh, no, that's not th – that was already discussed. Now we're hearing domestic violence mm -hmm. um, and a lot of crazy shit uh, Child support tree. issues. Yeah. My question to you, Tree, is this. 
What the hell does San Jose even do at this point? I mean, they, they put out a, a statement yesterday saying Evander Kane's not participating in training camp. We've already heard that basically the entire team wants him gone. They don't want him here. What, what do the Sharks do? They just buy him out and like that, you know, that's it? Or like, what the hell can they do at this point? At this point, you can file a grievance with the NHL and see if you can get the contract voided because there, this is reasonable grounds for termination, mm-hmm. especially if it is true. Because like there were like his wife had come out saying that he he was doing all this shit. Yes. And now that it, it's not actual an actual investigation, it's a court like court testimony, court right. orders. So at that point, unless it's actually investigated, I don't know if they can do anything about it. Yeah. But at this point, like it's a. a Evander Kane was their best player. Yeah. He was the only like big contract that was performing. Yeah. And if San Jose is without him, they are, they're, they're fucked. Like they're just yeah. straight up boned. He was, I mean, even though you can player. say like, uh, and the real thing with me is I'm more disappointed in Evander Kane. I have really thought he had turned it around, especially right. since he had kept quiet, especially some of the stuff that was coming out in Winnipeg and Buffalo and mm-hmm. junior about how he'd been this massive cancer gambling addictions yep. and all that sort of stuff. And now like over the past year, that is absolutely unraveled. And I'm just like, dude, yeah. Like it's, it's, if, if you're, I mean, it, you're going to be playing in Russia. That's what it's coming down to. Yeah. If that, I mean, that's not even, you know, is that really? Dude, uh, as- Russia took on Slava Voinov. They took on a bunch of other guys, too. That's good. So, point. you know yeah. what? Russia doesn't give a shit about no. what you do. As long as you can play hockey, you're going to play there. Exactly. So- and, they'll, and, they'll, and they'll pay you in shady oil money <laughs> and oligarch dollars. Exactly. And you'll be absolutely fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that Vladimir Putin will single-handedly try to find a way to get Evander Kane into it's a mother Russia. Okay, but- St. Petersburg. <laughs> exactly. No, he'll be on he'll play right for St. Petersburg. He'll, he'll be uh, on, he'll a line be on with, line. On a line with Putin, and Putin scores 90 <laughs> goals a game. That's exactly what you're going to see next year. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, you look at San Jose, you look at that team, and yes, I, I know, Tree, that you are a big proponent of shitting on San Jose because of the fact They've had so many high expectations for the last 20 plus years, being one of the most consistent teams in the regular season, getting into the playoffs, making runs, you know, 2016, they go to the cup final. They're two, you know, two wins away from winning the cup. They don't get it done. You go to 2019, they are down three games to one to Vegas, come all the way back down three, nothing in game seven, win that game, go to the conference finals had a two games to one lead against St. Louis and then lost the next three games. So you add on to this now with their franchise. I mean, let's face it. The Sharks are going to be a bottom feeding team for a while now, considering there is no future in place. They have the oldest team in the NHL other than maybe Washington. And that's, it's not, I mean, that's pushing it a little bit. This is a Sharks team adding on with this Evander Kane stuff. This is a very bad, this is a very bad situation for a yes, small market team. Very bad situation. A uh, thing with the Sharks is they're my second favorite team. I, I had started rooting for them in like the mid 2000s. Really like their players. They had badass uniforms. They were always oh, yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. And then you realize they keep choking. And it's just like, oh, God. Yes. It yes. just keep, I was more surprised they made the cup that one year because they usually choke. Right. So, right. Um, I was expecting them to lose to Nashville that year. Oh, yeah. So oh, it's, yeah. 
I'm surprised that never actually happened, but yeah. I mean, they, they squandered Marlowe, they squandered Jumbo Joe, they squandered Kowalski. Yep. They chose uh, Eric Carlson, even though he hadn't been healthy in the last two years. They pay him nope. big money, and you'd be shocked that he goes to absolute shit because yeah, he lost his ability to skate. Right. And now, like, um, Logan Couture's fallen off. Tomas Hurdle's probably gone. Like, he had requested a trade, which is Timo Meyer's probably gone as well. Meyer, you may, I mean, you may keep him due to his inconsistency, but even then, um, it's going to be a long, long rebuild. Like you're looking three to five years minimum because of all those bad contracts you have. Like Burns is getting worse too. Mark Edward Vlasic, you aren't doing anything with him. They have to pay $2 million a year for, I think, the next five or six years to Martin Jones, and that's an improvement by not playing. I mean, Aiden Hill, eh, like he's he's okay. He brought You're James gonna roll Reimer with James Reimer. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's okay as a one-two, but you're not gonna make the playoffs or win a cup like that alone. No, no, you know. I would say I would say too that um, uh, yeah, nothing. it's it's it, it's rough. Uh, the prospect system's barren. You traded a lot of your big picks and prospects. Over the last couple of years, yeah, um, it's not looking good. No, and then, like I said, you add on the Evander Kane stuff. And, you know, the Sharks are my second favorite team as well. My dad actually used to live out in San Jose, so we became Sharks fans, you know, that way. And obviously, everything that you've said about the Sharks is, is 100% accurate. Just the fact that it seemed like every year they would do something else to change what they would hope would be the constant, you know, past of not getting it done. They need a goal scorer. Get Danny Heatley. Oh, they need a defense. Get Brett Burns. Oh, they need to change head coaches. You fire McLean, you bring in Pete DeBoer, which speaking from a Devils fan, I told Sharks fans, I said, look, what's going to happen is you're going to get to the finals in your first year, and then you're going to get pissed off because then he's going to constantly do things that are going to irritate you. And I said the same thing with Vegas, and it's happening right now. People are getting very irritated with Pete DeBoer because he is very stubborn as a head coach. Mm. And I warned people about this, but I said the same thing about him in Vegas. I saw the same stuff in the 2016 cup final. It's like, you are not winning a cup with that manager coach. No, I'm sorry. You're just not. you could make the playoffs and make a long run mm-hmm. like he has done with two different franchises, but you're with not talent it. though with talent, with talent. Right. Because if you look at New Jersey in 2012, Zach Parise, Ilya Kovalchuk, a young Adam Henrique, guys like that. We had talent. Same, same thing in San Jose, 2016, you have Pavelski, Marlowe, Thornton, uh, Burns, Couture, Meyer, Hurdle. You had all these guys and, you know, and then even 2019 as well was kind of the same thing. They had the same talent. They added on, they obviously added on to Vander Kane. They added on Eric Carlson. That was a very talented, arguably the most talented team on paper that the Sharks have ever had in their entire history. When you Mm -hmm. just look at it and Pete, and then you look at Pete DeBoer going to Vegas, he has talent galore and all they've done since he got there is choke. They lost to Dallas they lost to freaking Montreal in a crazy ass year where they wouldn't normally play a team like Montreal. And now they're in a situation where they got rid of Mark Andre Fleury. They legitimately stabbed him in the back. And mm-hmm. that's a franchise that I think we're all expecting at some point to take a massive nosedive because just like San Jose, they've traded all, all of their assets moving forward. 
Well, if they trade for Eichel, they're going to trade even more assets if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, well, that would probably be a future video idea, like the desperation please. of Vegas or fear and loathing please. in Vegas because they have just gone all out for a oh, cup yeah. run and it's going to bite them in the fucking ass. Like they yes. are way too knee jerk with a lot of their moves. Yeah. Like I expected them to outright panic over they the offseason. I did not expect trading Mark Andre Fleury for nothing. I did not expect that at all. No. Like I, I, I mean and I'm I'm not a big fan of Flurry because the dude was a meme goaltender 10 years ago. Like he was <laughs> bad. People tend to forget this one in like 2010 to 2015, he was meme. fucking bad. I mean he like got... 2012 against Philly. I didn't know if that guy was going to play again in Pittsburgh. <laughs> but he was able to rebound his career yeah. and his reputation and you yep. know what? Like he has had the strangest career arc I have ever seen but Dude, yeah, he, they it's, did him dirty. Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any game this week to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One for customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Oh, yeah. And you look at Chicago, and I wanted to bring up the Chicago situation um, as well with you before we talk the Devils. Yeah, I mean, that blew my mind. I remember in the morning they said, oh, yeah, Flurry's been traded. And I go, okay, well, that was kind of – we kind of heard rumblings that one of Leonard or – Flurry was going to get dealt. The question was, which one was going to go? And, yeah. you know, I thought, you know, being a Devils fan, considering we heard the rumors that maybe just maybe the Devils were uh, interested, and it turns out they were, except Flurry didn't want to go there. And I understand that. That makes yeah. perfect sense for the point in his career. It, it makes absolutely 100% sense. But then they said it was Chicago. And I go, okay, we heard Chicago. And then they go, yeah, for like a prospect. And I was like, and what else? And they go, that's it. For a guy that is uh, okay, I have literally no idea who this guy is. Mikhail Hakkarainen, and- like he's a filler prospect. It's only to make sure that the roster limits are okay. Right. Vegas wanted the cap space. That's all right. they wanted. So they, yeah, they wanted the cap space so they can get Evgeny Dadanov. That's literally what they did. Yeah, that, that they- didn't make sense either because now you have a log jam in the middle six wingers. So uh, who are you trading? Are you trading... <laughs> Uh, dadding off to somebody else are you offloading him at retention or oh. are you trading riley smith or marcia so maybe both because probably... like 
Both of those guys are gone. Riley Smith, definitely Riley Smith is being moved, whether it's at the deadline yeah. or next season, he's getting moved. Regardless well, of Well, Riley Smith's a free agent after this year. Well, so. yeah, Riley Smith will be gone, gone after this. Marcia So, uh, I mean, you are just like I like Marcia So, but yeah, I mean he's a good player. He's a very good player. And he was good in Florida, and I felt like he was just disrespected, understandably so. And then he just, you know, he he shined on a on a Vegas team. But I wanted to talk to you really quickly about the Chicago situation. Um, obviously, we haven't heard very much over the past couple of weeks. Things have kind of gone very, very quiet with that. But they did say, the I think the NHL and also I think people who are involved in the investigation said that something is going to be explained or announced before the season starts. And Ooh. now we're in the start of training camp. Honestly and truly, treat. where do you see this going? Like, what do you think is the end result of this entire situation with what's going on in Chicago? Well, I can see two options. One, it's either going to be a nuclear option where they admit that a lot of people knew about this and didn't say anything, and you're going to see a lot of people lose their jobs. Oh, I mean, yeah. you're probably looking at people, other people in organizations like Mark Bergevin, who is a <laughs> higher up in Chicago, even yeah. though they said he didn't know about it. You don't know how true that is. Stan Bowman, the other two executives in Chicago, they're going to be long gone. Or it could be a situation like the MLB is trying to do with the Houston situation. They're trying to cover this up and bury it so nobody talks about it. It's one of those dirty little secrets that you don't have to like, no, like I'm not sitting there with my grandson, Jimmy, in like 50 (laughs) years saying like, hey, why is there this asterisk next to the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010? And then I'm going to sit there. Well, Jimmy. There was this moment where a video coach decided to sodomize two players with a miniature baseball bat and jack off in front of them with some really fucked up pornography when they were supposed to be studying hockey film. Yeah. So that's what that's what they don't want to talk about. Right. That's all it is. Yeah, it's I can see either of those two options. I Yeah, it's one of those things like when it first came out and then you started reading more and more about it, you're like. This is something that was talked about, not just from in the hockey community. It was talked like I watched like NBC and CNN. They talked about it. And I said, this is going to get really bad. And what sucks about it from the hockey standpoint is that you look at Chicago, what they did this offseason. They went out and got Seth Jones. And granted, they gave him way too much money considering the player Wait, that he is. And they paid way too much to get him. And they pay, oh, 100%. And the whole thing on your free agency video where you talked about that contract that Seth Jones got, you nailed it on the head. Even from an analytical perspective, he's not worth that much money. And the crazy thing about it is that you look at all the moves that Chicago made, Stan Bowman went against what he said prior to the offseason. He said yeah, they're rebuilding. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's yeah, not you're rebuilding rebuild. that's by getting Mark Andre Fleury, Tyler Johnson, and Seth Jones. Uh-huh. Right. Sure. And, well, look, with the Flurry situation, he just took advantage of Vegas being desperate. And I understand yeah. that. Chicago can be a very fun team to watch if everything works the way that they are settled. But we don't know. I mean, everything is – they have a lot of talent. Kane is still playing at a high level. Jonathan Taze is coming back. We don't know how he's going to perform this year. And then you have a very interesting goaltending tandem in Flurry and Kevin Lankinen. Both of those guys are going to be very solid. So – Chicago is going to have a very interesting, fun season. I'm just worried about if and when something does come out, an announcement about this whole investigation, how bad is it really going to be? How bad are they going to, like, are they going to go like, like you said, are they just going to completely just put everything out there and said, yep, 
everybody knew about it or this many people knew about it and that's that or are they going to be very hush hush about it and say uh let's let's not bring it up the nhl's very boys club so i can really yes. see them trying to bury this yes especially since it's an original six franchise that was oh, the year they yeah. had won a cup yeah and it was also like they don't want to shame the two players because I, I absolutely understand why it took this long to come out. Yep. When you're part, when you're supposed to be like a professional athlete, you're supposed to be extremely macho, like mm -hmm. nothing can go wrong. The world's your oyster, but yes. to be completely exposed like that, I absolutely understand why nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. the one I'm surprised who isn't talking about it is Daniel Carcillo because he's been mm. very open about his issues with mental health. Because I yes. think he was part of that 2010 team, if I remember correctly. Let I believe he up. was. I believe he was. I'm not entirely sure, but it's kind of like the, the two guys oh. that I think people are not talking about the most about this. I mean, Jonathan Taze was asked about it, and he made absolutely no comment about it. Which uh, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't in 2010. He was on the 2012, 2013. 12 team. team. Okay, so uh, that's why Carson so I was wrong. talking about. It. Right. Um, but with Jonathan Taze and even Patrick Kane, they have not said a word about it. Every time someone asks them, they haven't said anything, which makes you nervous because it's like, okay, if they're being this silent about it, it probably means that they may have known about it and did nothing about it. But it's a very, it's a very scary situation that um, I'm, I'm definitely worried about to see what happens with that. So we will, we will see what happens with that. But to uh, but my next thing that I wanted to quickly talk to you about is obviously the New Jersey Devils. That's you know obviously the Devils state of mind podcast is what we talk about. Tree, when you look at the the moves the Devils made this year, you look at everything that they did. What is your reaction to it? Are you impressed? Do you like what they did? You know, what are your thoughts about it? I like what they've done. I really think like they made the right moves. Uh, it was a big premium for like overpaying defensemen for the idea of what they are. Mm -hmm. Dougie Hamilton was the most proven commodity on the market. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how he's going to age, but I really like the contract at nine and a half million for seven years for what he brings. He's yeah. Norris caliber or mm -hmm. very close to Norris caliber. And guys like Seth Jones, OEL, and others were getting nine and a half million as well, right. or like something ridiculous. And I'd rather right. take Seth Jones, or sorry, I'd rather take Dougie Hamilton at nine and a half by seven than Seth Jones coming off a career worst year at nine and a half by eight. Yes. So, because you don't know how he's going to mesh in that system. Like that contract would be really, really bad. And Dougie's could be really bad too. But at the same time, I'd rather take the risk on somebody like a Dougie Hamilton who could yeah. do huge like wonders for me in the neutral and offensive zone and on the power play. Yeah. I don't know how he's going to do in the defensive zone, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Ryan Graves, like I'm not crazy about him because he kind of did blow that series for Colorado with some of his moves, <laughs> but it is good defensive depth. It is an upgrade. You didn't really have to give up much for him because Colorado was trying to offload him anyway yeah. for that like expansion draft. Mm -hmm. So kind of the same situation it was with Ryan Murray a few years ago yeah. when Columbus was trying to shake cap there too. Do you feel so that, oh, do you feel that um, Ryan Graves should be on that top defensive pairing with Dougie Hamilton? Or do you think it's more of, should Ty Smith be up there with Dougie Hamilton? I would say Ty Smith, at least from okay. the upside. I'd say Ryan Graves is like a second pairing guy, maybe with Severson. 
Okay. Although I don't know how that's really going to work there. I mean, I would right. not pair Severson and Hamilton together because that would be an adventure <laughs> in your defensive zone. Oh, that, that, no, we don't want that. We're, we're, they're making sure that that's not the case. But, uh, Good. but yeah, talk to us about also Jonathan Bernier and Tomas Tatar as yep. well. Coming Thomas, to Jonathan Bernier, I was like kind of skeptical about, but then I remember, and a lot of people reminded me, he was actually decent in Detroit last year. Right. You don't know what you're kind of getting with Bernier because he's had some really awful years, but then there's like that first round upside that he once had where mm -hmm. he's actually pretty solid and you're not relying on him as a starter. You're more right. as like a backup or a one P to mm -hmm. go along with Mackenzie Blackwood. So I think in that regard, I think he'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Tomas Tatar. I really like, like I'm a fan of Tatar. The only reason why his value got depressed that low is because he didn't play in the he Stanley Cup benched, playoffs. Yeah. If he had played, you'd be looking five by five minimum. Oh yeah. So oh, four yeah. and a half by two, I'll take it. If it doesn't work out, whatever, low risk. You buy him yeah. out the next year. So yeah. don't mind that one at all. Yeah, that was um, Tatar was really just, it, it was either going to be Tatar or Tarasenko. That was pretty much what the Devils were yeah. at at that point. It was either, do we trade for Tarasenko, try to get him at a low value, which I think we were going to get at. If we really did make a deal and a deal happened, we were going to get him at a very low price. Um, or do we go after Tatar? And I mean, look, we're getting Tatar as a guy that has been more consistent over the last two years than Tarasenko because of the fact that Tarasenko has been healthy. injured. Right. And he's not making uh, as much money as Tarasenko is over the next two no. years. Now, great the devils can afford it. It's not the end of the world, but yeah. four and a half million dollars is not that bad of a contract for two years for I a guy know. that's trying to help Nico Kishir and Jack Hughes develop into those, you know, top level guys that we have along with the other young players that we have. And speaking of the young players tree, are there any guys in particular, other than the obvious guys, the Jack Hughes, the Nico Heashears, the Ty Smiths, guys like that? Are there any other under-the-radar young players that you've seen that you really like from the New Jersey Devils? Uh, well, the one thing New Jersey needs are finishers. And, I mean, you've, uh, you have you tried yeah. getting it with Andreas Janssen. Hasn't really worked out there. <laughs> the one guy that really impressed me last year under the radar, Yegor Sharangovich. Mm -hmm. He was the guy that really like kind of molded into a middle six forward, came out of nowhere, overage or fifth round pick. He was fifth the kind of guy yeah. that's like, yep, I, I remember like he was, um, I'm actually looking this up real quick. Here, He's the captain of the Belarus national team as well, in case anybody yep. likes to so know. So you that. have that middle six leadership. Yep. So he's he's a very he's a very very young player and a guy yeah, 30 that just points came in fifty five games. Yanni Kowokanen had an okay year, so you might get something there. Um, mm -hmm. But otherwise, you need more people to step up, and I don't yeah. know where that's coming from. I mean, could it be Bokefist? I mean, Nolan Foot. I I don't Studenich. Well, we also I, we have you know Studenich, like you mentioned Studenich. We have um, Alexander Holtz and Dawson Mercer coming in the wings as well. Uh, with yep. Holtz, obviously, we're getting a guy that literally tries to mold this game after Alexander Ovechkin, which I've said before, if he's going to be a guy that's going to stand in one side of the rink and score 50 goals a year, I'll take that. That's kind of the hope there. And again, we don't know what Holtz is going to be once he plays in the National Hockey League. And that's going to be yeah. where I think he'll most likely start in the minors, you know, because he only played eight games with Binghamton last year. Um, but yeah, getting to Tar was the, the, to try to get some top 10, some top tier goal scoring. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the way that we look at it. So my next question to you tree is this, before we get into the quick uh, questions from, from some listeners is simply this, where do you honestly see the devils finishing? Can, do you see them as a team that may possibly be a contender for like one of the final playoff spots? Are they another year away? 
What is your assessment of this team? I think they're another year away, mostly because just the division they're in stacked. Mostly yeah. because Philadelphia is always a team that when you think they're going to do good, they stuck. But when expectations are low, they actually do pretty well. Right. They're in a division with Carolina. They're going to dominate this year. Columbus is going to restart. They're probably dead last, unfortunately, just because yep. they're still having to go through yep. those growing pains again. Uh, the Islanders are going to be up there. I think the Rangers can bounce back, even mm-hmm. though they desperately like overcompensated for a lack of grit. I Thank think you, I like at least get a shot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I think James Dolan for that. No, James uh, Dolan. Pe- like um, the capitals and penguins are really weird to gauge because their cores are getting stale. They're aging. And like Washington's stuck with that core for a long time. This is yeah. last chance year for the penguins. Malkin's going to be out long-term. Crosby's going to be out for a couple um, they weeks. Announced today. Yep. Be I knew he was going to be out to like at least December, just because yeah. of that injury. He had in the yeah. playoffs. And Crosby's going to be out for a couple of weeks as well. Malkin's going to be a free agent after the year. Latang's a free agent after the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Rust is going to be a free agent after the year. And if there's somebody that's going to get massively overpaid on the market, it's Brian Rust. Brian Rust. Because I, I would not be shocked if he gets a seven by seven at minimum, if, oh. if he has a good year. Oh. Easily. E- oh, dude, that's going to if, hurt. If Zach, if Zach Hyman gets five and a half by seven, Rust is easily getting seven by seven. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, Rust is Rust is loved by yeah, a lot. And of, and once Rust loses his speed, he's done. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, have fun with that. Yeah. Uh, and then also, um, Jeff Carter's a free agent too, and that's your best center right now. So uh, mm. unless he's going back to 2010. Uh, this might be the weakest we've been down in the middle since 2011 when um, when Malkin and Crosby were out and your starting center center was Mark Latestin. So yeah. it's uh, it's going to get rough. It yeah. might be the beginning of the end, unfortunately. And I mean, I'll take my cups and I will sink to the bottom of the ocean, just like you guys did. <laughs> that's and a, it's that's like, whatever, welcome. Well, hey, cheap tickets for PPG Paints Arena. It's right. coming back, baby. $20 yeah, tickets. Yes, it's going to be It's gonna be a ride. This uh, team's but... going to suck, but you know what? <laughs> I don't care. Hey, you know what? You, 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 got, you got other teams to look at. You could, yeah. you could still do Days of Our Steelers if you feel like it. Um, Kill me. With, no. Yeah, no. no. And no. Uh, also, oh. to let you know, I am a Pirates fan, so I... I you um, poor bastard. Yeah, poor bastard. I know. So I live in a lot of pain. Um, watching that team. Uh, so I next you're gonna so, say you're a Vikings fan. Oh no, no, thank God, no, I'm not Good. a Vikings fan. That's I, I I'm a, you know, I'm, I guess I'm a Giants and Raiders fan. So I live in some pain. Partial. I, partial. I live in partial pain. As far as college football, I literally am only a uh, a Rutgers fan, as I'm actually wearing. You, you poor this. bastard, there too. Well, we're three and zero, and we're playing Michigan really? this week. So they, yeah, they, they've been the Rutgers is better because of the Greg Schiano factor. That's the whole thing here. He's a college yeah. coach. He loves Rutgers. He, you know, this team is better. Um, but we'll see what happens on Saturday. If we beat Michigan, all the memes will come out again, which would be kind of nice. Um, but, I wish they beat. I, I would love if they beat Michigan. Well, I think they everyone. Can be beat. They can be beat. Oh yeah. If well, they, it's Michigan. They're always beaten. Oh, exactly. And then they play a real Big Ten team, and then they get crushed. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, there, there's uh, there's trees. Look at where the devils think. So to kind of wrap this up, a couple people because um, I put out a tweet last night saying that you were coming on, and of course, a lot of I have a lot of people that are obviously big fans of yours, and some people asked some questions that I wanted to uh, have you try to answer. So you answered the first one, which actually came from uh, 
Fyodor, F-Y-O-D-O-R on Twitter. Um, he said, where does, where does he think the Devils are going to end up in the Metro division? You you said that. So what, what would I'd you say? I'd say probably like sixth. Sixth? Okay, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Um, the next question is actually more of a, a pretty deep one, actually. It comes from Martin Kelly at MartinK7924 on Twitter. Uh, this person says, has he re- has Tree really captured his true ambitions with his content posting? And what more does he want to do with this hmm. content? That's an interesting question. Uh, I know, like, over the past couple of years, I've been trying to increase my scale. I know like there are like a, a bunch of vids that I want to get to on a bucket list per se, but they're more like long-term ambitious projects. Okay. Like one of the ones I want to do is like do a huge like encapsulating and recapping of like the Pittsburgh Pirates in their 20 consecutive years of losing. Because oh that gosh. was that was the team oh. that got me into how bad franchises were. That was a fucking shit heap, <laughs> especially the Littlefield and Bonifay eras. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was bad it, oh. it was so fucking bad oh so and maybe pain. a video on ruben amaro jr to piss off oh. like Phillies fans oh because that's like that. a good one ruin tomorrow jr would be a good one marge shot would be another one as well like Hugh Culverhouse is one i want to get to okay um trying to think who else like um a couple legacies of failure but you need to wait for the right time for those as well right of course i'd say the next one would probably be the Bengals, but i'm waiting for mike brown to die that's pretty Oh, okay that that, now see that makes sense it's like at least it's a connection it's like okay it's right of an era right of course of course have you had this is more of a question for me have you ever considered like maybe branching out to like like maybe college football or something like that. Like I know you've been trying to do a little more college football, but it's more like basic stuff. I feel like I'm actually writing a script for pit football right now, which is just like a five minute one. It's just straight apathy. It's like, this team does nothing but choke. They suck. They're mediocre. It's like, it's not worth it. They're starting quarterback. They're the the college um, football team I grew up with. So it's. Yeah. Their starting quarterback uh, is actually not, it's actually from uh, the County that I'm from. So Mm -hmm. yeah. So he's a Jersey guy. Um, I watched him in high school, so obviously I've had a chance to to see him play. But yeah, all those sound like really good ideas. I'm, ex- I'm obviously always excited to see the new vids that come out. Uh, next question comes from Connor McDonald, CMAC Tarmac on Twitter. Pretty uh, catchy there. He asks, um, who do you believe is your Stanley Cup favorite? I mean, you could either give us your favorite or your matchup, whatever you feel like answering that question with. Well, this year it's a little tougher because I got to get a gauge on how every team has form, how they're playing. Mm -hmm. I still say Colorado is a favorite as long as they can get past the second round. I think they're there. Tampa Bay is always going to be there. I mean, even with like the talent loss and depth, I think they're going to be able to replace it from their minor league system. They still have their core. Mm -hmm. They also have veteran influence from guys like Corey Perry, but back as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, I would say who else? Florida looks like a dark horse as long okay. as they can get past the first round. I think they have a chance, especially since uh, Alex Barkov's a free agent after this oh. year, and if, and and then Huberdeau the year after. So mm-hmm. if they lose Barkov, you might as well just fold it and move the team to Quebec City because yeah. you aren't getting anything back there. It's it's one of Florida or Arizona. I've been telling people it's going to be one of those two teams. Well, Arizona, be... like apparently, did you see the proposal they put out? I just learned they wrote like a one point six bill. Probably the city. I mean, Morello. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he has money because I mean, his casinos have been kind of hit. But at the same time, I I, I don't know. I mean. Apparently, like 
I've been told this as well. They did the same thing with Glendale and look how well that turned out. Literally, the only thing that has been a positive out of this venture to Arizona has been Austin Matthews. Right. That's it. And they're waiting desperately for Matthews to come to the Coyotes at some point, which might happen. It might happen, but it might happen when he's like 35. So, I mean, it's it's not like I think he'll go there in the prime of his career, but crazier things have happened. If, If Wayne Gretzky can get traded anybody can get moved or moved to wherever. So that's kind of it. But the next question actually comes from Tino, Tino underscore locker. He says, how did he come up with the days of our Steelers concept? Cause that was a, that's a big one. A lot of people have loved that over the years. Days of our Steelers was actually spur of the moment. I would say, I remember a tweet, uh, like a comment from Antonio Brown. He was criticizing the media for overextending and like, amplifying situations and then like over the past year there had been a bunch of drama there as well in 2017 i'm sitting there like this team is a soap opera and then it just came to me it's like (laughs) okay that's a days of our Steelers." and then i wrote a tweet says tonight on days of our Steelers," and then that's the tweet that started days of our Steelers." and then i did it as like a one-off gag and haters guide and it just kept happening because Le'Veon bell kept like you know creating a holdout and then it became its own separate thing which yeah. I hated every second of it. And then like, by the end, I'm just like, please stop. For the love of God, please <laughs> stop. They kept going into the off season. Oh, this gets worse. It just got worse and worse. Um, one of the things that I really loved was the live stream that you did when the Steelers played the Browns last the Browns year. And you, and you just, you just went. The I just wanted out. a good game. <laughs> I just wanted a good game, man. I did not expect any of that shit. I didn't expect to flip out and just be miserable for folks. But you clapping. First play. First play. Oh, where's the ball? (laughs) And you were clapping and saying. I just wanted a good game. And you were going like, here we go. Way to go, guys. And it was just, you couldn't stop. I couldn't stop laughing because it was, you know, obviously being a Raider fan, seeing the Steelers. I wasn't laughing. I wasn't laughing. I know. I know you were. I I, I, like, dude, I was. Yeah. God, I was about, I I was just, that was a six hour stream. Like I had been drained the day after. It's like, oh. No, I don't blame you. (laughs) Yeah. But that was, that's really cool, you know, talking about Days of Our Steelers, because when I look at a lot of the series that you've done over the years, that's obviously one of the ones that stands out the most, considering how, how much there was in literally one season of football, like literally one season, it was like every week there was something new. Yes, easily every week, or like if it didn't happen off the field, it happened on it. Exactly. That was the, that was a good point. The the last, um, it's more of a two-part question comes from Trey White, Trey Wright underscore 34 is a two-part question. The first one is, do you think the Devils will blow this opportunity with Dougie Hamilton and Jonathan Bernier? Uh, I don't know. Once again, it depends how your prospects develop. Depends how Lindy Ruff is able to mesh with everybody. They fell off in the second half of last year, but once again, I mean, that that can only be solved with time. Yeah, and also COVID being out for 17 days because of COVID, I think kind of really screwed us over at the at, yeah. at that point in the year as well. It's because we were playing well up until that point, and then they, COVID they, had a, they had decent form, and then they just fell off. Yeah, so COVID really took an effect. The next question is actually a baseball question. He asks, "Do you think Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson should be inducted into the Hall of Fame now that sports betting has been legalized in a few states?" 
Baseball's stubbornly traditional, so yeah. I don't know. If Pete Rose is going to get inducted, it'll be after he's dead. So that's, that's the only thing I can see. Like They're never going to give him the, the pleasure of witnessing his Hall of Fame induction. Oh, yeah. Like They never will, just no. because of how baseball is. No. Shoeless Joe Jackson and the Black Sox, I don't know once again if they are because of the bylaws and rules of the time. Baseball is yeah. a very traditional sport. And considering baseball has bigger issues right now, especially with labor clashes mm-hmm. that are probably on the horizon and it may cause work stoppages. Yeah. I, I think that's the least of their concerns right now. Yeah. And it's a shame because, like, I, I like the sport, but baseball yeah. has not been doing itself any favors. Oh, no. And with a lot of the, the rule changes as well, I think they've – they did kind of, you know, hurt their image in yep. many ways. And they, and they, they, ba- they're backtracking on it for a reason. Like this, I, I absolutely hate the runner on second base. It is a cheap gimmick, and it goes against everything baseball stood for in terms of tradition and integrity. Right. You right. care about the integrity of the game, yet you won't allow for an automated or like assisted strike zone. Mm. Okay, sure. Mm. Yeah, this, baseball is really not what it used to be, even when I was a kid. That's. That's oh, not, well, very true. The problem is baseball was in trouble in the early mid nineties too. And then mm. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa start hitting dingers and baseball looked the other way when they were all juicing themselves up mm. with steroids and everyone was hitting 50 home runs a year. Yep. And now you sit there and once the money dried up, that's when they went after the people with the steroids. Right. That's the only thing that happened. And, and we still don't know. That's what baseball does. We still don't know all the players that are on that list. I've talked about it before. There's literally like three people that we know. There's one that we obviously know. It's A-Rod. We know that he was on that list. The question that continues to come up is who else is on Bud Selig's list of players that did steroids? And I think the reason why it hasn't been brought up is because there are some pretty prominent names that you don't expect that might be on that list. Just watch it be like Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Thomas, and Fred McGriff. Like guys somebody, like that. somebody said, watch it be like Derek Jeter. That would be. Oh that, God, that, it's that, Jeter. That, I'm laughing hysterically. Yeah, Dude, be, please be Jeter. Yeah, that would. But with how he copied Mariano Rivera's farewell tour. Dude, please be Jeter. That would be uh, the entire baseball world would melt. Oh yeah, baseball would not be the same up at, after that point. It would just be like. Because the whole thing in the New York media is, do we like Jeter and we hate A-Rod? Would it all of a sudden get flipped? Would people then be like, well, at least A-Rod came out and eventually admitted that he did it, whereas baseball covered up Derek Jeter for a long, long time. I don't and just think watch it and just watch A-Rod not get in the hall because of it. Uh, that's pretty true. I think that I, I just can't see A-Rod getting in at any point just because of not only the steroids thing, but his attitude. A lot of people just do not like A-Rod, period. Yep. And once again, baseball is very traditional. And the like there are a lot of gatekeepers in baseball writing, especially 100%. like a lot of the older guys, even the newer guys. There is a lot of gatekeeping in baseball. I mean, mm-hmm. even like the fan base, there is a good bit of gatekeeping there. So oh, yeah. if you don't follow like a certain like mentality or ideology, you're going to get shunned. A- and, and it's just like it's it's a stubborn backwards that stagnates the game. Yep. And people need to realize that. I agree. Like that's why like with hockey, I'm open to analytics because like it's not a be all end all, but it's a tool. That no. also helps me to understand that I, I can't see every single game but it will at least allow me to understand like, okay, this guy like is having like a bad year by his terms, or maybe mm-hmm. he's having a, uh, like a guy I'm not really looking at is having a good year, especially yeah. e- although it could be in like uh, 
sheltered situations, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it can reinforce what you see in the eyes. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said it before that if you look at it from an analytical analytical perspective with Jack Hughes, yeah, stats-wise, it's not what you, you know, it's not what people expected. Analytically speaking, he's gotten better every single year. And he confidently has said, this is going to be that year where I pop off. And I think a lot of people in the on, on the analytics side agree with that because they say he's been getting better with lesser talent. Now you add in the talent that has been added to this organ to this team, he's only going to get better. So that's kind of the, mm-hmm. that's the way that we look at it. So like, yeah, from a hockey perspective, it makes sense. Analytic, you know, analytics and baseball, it just, it, it, it fucks it up in so many ways. The way I've... that managers like do things. I, I watch Yankee games all the time and they have this stupid chart that says like, oh, this is when this guy pitched and this is how many pitches he, he threw. So he can't pitch today. And I'm like, you know, 25 years ago, that was not the case. It was literally like whoever you had, pitched regardless of how many days of rest or anything like that i feel like baseball has a use for analytics i think it's a much better tool but the problem is i think it's gone too far i think baseball has become too intelligent for its own good nowadays with hitting it's not about putting the ball in play it's not about like you know the tony Gwynns of the world would Mm. not be revered it would be like it's launch angle and exit velocity Mm -hmm. it's about hitting like home runs like that's what they train them to do now because okay now they realize okay why would you hit a bunch of singles and doubles when you can hit dingers and automatically get the runs that's what they're shooting for nowadays especially with how pitching is pitching has like it turned into a sort of pseudoscience in a way especially with like uh rpms exit like velocity movement rates that sort of stuff as well it's no longer about like fastball command or like that's very old school that's so 2010 get out of here like shifting oh, yeah. is so 2010. <laughs> That's why the pirates fell off because they kept stubborn in their ways and they didn't evolve. It's about the strikeout and the home run now. Yep. Chicks dig the long ball, as they say. That's basically how the you know, right. That's why you look at the Yankees. That's their whole And now roster. they're just like they're they're adding new like terminologies and like stats every single day. And it's yeah. just like it's... okay, I mean, don't get me wrong, they probably have use, but you and spin stats any way you want like i can say that mike trout is a bum by making up like a great x like velocity stat or something yeah like that. and that may sound ignorant but at the end of the day like there's a time where you're playing a game but yep. and there's also a moment where it's just like okay sometimes like there is an advantage to thinking outside the box but when you think too outside the box too often yeah it blows up in your face very That's true. why it's a three-two outcome sport now. It's about strikeouts, walks, and home runs. It's just the game. I, I really like. I think that's a. I think that's a really good way to kind of end this tree. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on for the time that you've been here, man. This has been phenomenal. Uh, you know, obviously being a content creator myself, I can also say that I like. I'm a huge fan of yours. I love the content that you put out. I'm always, you know, I'm subscribed. I got the notification bell. Everything, man. You do a great job. Before I let you go. Um, to let the people who may not know very much about you, let them know where they can find you on social media so that they can follow you, you know, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channel, everything. The floor is yours, my friend. All right. Well, I'm on YouTube under Urinating Tree. I am on Twitter in Urinating Tree. I'm not, I don't do much there. I just shit post. Like that's all <laughs> I do. That's yeah. the only reason why you use Twitter. You're not using it for anything. Right. Of course. Besides yes. maybe breaking news, but that's it. Yeah. You're also um, like uh, Instagram. I barely use it. It's urinating underscore tree. 
but it's like i just like do random stuff on there every once in a while but i don't really go on there that much but otherwise like um so i do i appreciate you having me on my man and hopefully the devils do well this year man hopefully they don't bottom out again ah that's all we can hope for man and uh one last thing before i let you go just as a favor of mine can you just say uh fuck you spanos just once for me absolutely let me get in the form fuck you spanos <laughs> that's so 2017 oh dude but I mean, it makes sense. you know it doesn't resonate as much now but it's still great you're an eddie tree man thank you so much we really appreciate it we'll definitely try to have you back on again down the road but thank you so much Absolutely. for doing this definitely man have a good night guys you too